0: Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.
1: It's time to stop focusing on business problems and start focusing on the growth and leadership of your business. Welcome to The Business Edge. With your host, Marcia Zeidel. Learn to create a growth agenda to get your business on the right track and keep it there. Rev up your growth engine with exceptional talent and develop the right kind of leadership to move it forward fast. Now, here is Marcia Zeidel.
2: Welcome to the Business Edge, giving practical advice to entrepreneurs and business leaders and how to take your company, firm, or practice to that next level with less stress and more success. In other words, how to take the growing pains out of growth. I'm Marcia Zidle, your Smart Moves coach, getting you on the right track, keeping you on the right track, and making sure you don't get sidetracked in your drive for purpose, performance, and profitability. Let's start with a Smart Moves question. Does being different work for you or against you? What is your brand, your personal presence? And how do you you leverage diversity effectively in an increasingly global world? The answers lie in Johnny's bishwash, thought-provoking book, Unleash the Power of Diversity, Multicultural Competency for Business Results. The book came out in 2013. It is available on Amazon.com, and her concepts and original frameworks have been introduced to people from 23 countries and five continents. She brings real-life global examples, first experiencing gender diversity as a female engineer, and then cultural diversity as an Asian executive in the U.S. Mrs. Biswash has 21 years of experience in the capacity Capability building space and is currently the principal of Coach Achieve Consulting Solutions. Welcome, Deb Johnny. It's a delight to have you on the show. Thank you
3: so much, Marsha. It's my pleasure to be on the show.
2: Well, let's start by giving the listeners some background about your "Unleash the Power of Diversity: Multicultural Competencies for Business Results." What started that off? Well, you know, I've been wanting to write a book for many
3: years. And as you mentioned, with a long corporate career, at some point that was just on my to-do list. And then two years ago, my son asked me a critical question. He said, what are you waiting for? And the power of that question got me started. And to add to the questions that you asked before, does being different work for you or against you? So I experienced moments where being different worked very much for me. And then moments where a lot of cultural stereotyping was occurring. And out of that, you know, with my engineering background, I tried to take an engineering approach to diversity and look at different hypotheses of what diversity can do in terms of positive and negative impact. Because as you said, we are in a global economy. We can't afford to be insular and sort of just ignore people that are distant from us anymore.
2: Well, you know, that's true. And just like for you, I think everyone has found that their diversity, uh, their particular diversity has helped them in some ways Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. has uh, hindered them in other ways. And that's, Mm -hmm. you know, and and to be aware of that, I think that's what you're going to be getting into. Um, Mm -hmm. So um, what is culture and multicultural competencies and how do they impact the business edge?
3: So, you know, that is a non-trivial question, Marsha. So it used to be that when we spoke about culture, we really spoke about regions, ethnicities, and geographies. But most recently, it's been expanded a little bit. And right now, when I'm talking about culture, I'm talking about a series of values, norms, and beliefs that is shared by a group. So these days, we expand the idea of culture to not just be an ethnic or region definition, but a definition which could be, you know, gender-related or diversity-related around style or generation. So culture has to do with a shared set of values and behaviors. Now, in my book, I define culture as the way you behave when no one's looking. (laughs) Um, And, you know, you asked about multicultural competence. I think it's not enough to just understand culture and understand that we are different from our perspective. Mm -hmm. Multicultural competence means not just understanding it, but then leveraging that understanding into practical actions and behaviors that make sure that we see the unity and diversity, if you will, and are better at our business edge. I love that term that you use, the business edge, and that's the whole
2: point of it. Um. Can you give an example of a practical action? I know you'll be getting into it, but uh, I'm just curious, what would be one thing that we all can do to be more aware of of a multicultural competency and and be better at it?
3: That is a great question, Masha. So I would say the most powerful practical tip has to do with asking good questions. And Mm -hmm. I have an acronym for ASK. I say be Mm -hmm. astute, be specific, and be kind. And when you talk about asking the correct way, so, for example, let's say we're in a multicultural negotiation. Let's Mm -hmm. say I'm traveling from the U.S. to Japan. Mm -hmm. I have to ask some of the norms of that particular culture, or vice versa. Someone is coming from another country into the U.S., if we don't understand the unwritten rules of different cultures, whether it's around communication, whether it's around body language, whether it's around interrupting each other or the speed of speech, Mm -hmm. um, then we will be in a lot of trouble because we make a lot of assumptions. So that would be my first practical tip is the power of the ask. I actually call it in the book the art and the science of the
2: ask. Well, you know, I think that, and I want to add one other point to that because I do want to get into your framework for the book, but... um, As a consultant and as a coach going into uh, different organizations, and let's say they're just within the United States. We're not talking about um, going into another country, but just within the United States, within a region, within a city, um, Mm -hmm. different organizations have different cultures and different norms. And Mm -hmm. uh, I'm sure you found that as well. Absolutely. That's one of the things we do, to your point, uh, organizational culture
3: is a huge, huge factor which people often disregard. But so a lot of work around mergers and acquisitions or integration or diversification, many integrations and mergers fail because one organization culture does not match the other, and mm-hmm. people just assume as long as we look at business assets and machinery and products. That's all we need to worry about. But we do organizational cultural assessments about simple things like who has veto power. If someone yes. disagrees, does the boss always make the decision? That's an example. The other things around organization culture has to do with perhaps the dress code, has yes. to do with what happens under times of stress when things break down. So it is so good to understand not just your regional specific culture, but also in an organization. Uh, you know, I've worked with very large organizations from, you know, 20,000 people to 290,000 people in the same company. And within a, that large organization, there would be a division culture. Then within the division, yes. there would be a sales yes. and marketing culture, which is yes. different from the operations culture. So it is very important for us to understand when we walk in, almost like detectives, to see what are the nonverbal messages we're getting from that organization's culture. And my advice would be, first of all, when we come newly to an organization, to sort of fit in first, before we start then, you know, making a lot of waves. first
2: understand the culture,
3: adapt Mm to it, and then establish our individuality.
2: I think that's a great practical tip, and we all need to do that, especially now that uh, we have more mergers and acquisitions or people who are moving from one company to another. So Mm -hmm. let's get – Back into the uh, uh, the book, and um, can you share some of the new frameworks from your book, Unleash the Power of Diversity? Uh, talk a little bit about that, okay? And I think let's start with the five judgments. What's that mm-hmm. about?
3: Mm -hmm. Mm
2: -hmm. Absolutely. So the
3: five judgments is a framework, you know, I mentioned I was trying to take an engineering approach to diversity. And so one of the things I noticed is that we have cultural blind spots and sometimes Mm -hmm. a lack of awareness, which hinders our progress in the workplace. And so most diversity exploration starts with emotional intelligence. And so the original framework from the book, this is called the five judgments. And the hypothesis is, So there are five judgments that people make, and these are based on which culture we come from, including Mm -hmm. how we look and how we sound. So the first judgment is called reputational currency. Even before the person enters the room, they have a brand, and this brand is either positive or negative. Mm -hmm. And if nothing is known about that individual, then we will often resort to cultural stereotyping, and we will make assumptions based on the group that they represent. So, for example, someone may say, oh, this person's name is Devjani. That probably means that she's good in math and she won't be fluent in English. That may be <laughs> just, you know, the judgment they without knowing you.
2: And then, uh, uh, so, y- you know, so you like uh, let, let me just say. Let me just interject this. Um, yes. That's very interesting, and and not that I want you to answer the question, but I wonder. You know, I'll have to ask when people when I say my name is Marsha, what does that connote? I have no idea, but it's a very good point to not uh-huh. just for unusual names, but names that um, make note one thing in one part of the country and another thing in mm-hmm. another part of the country. So anyway. Um, So that first um, judgment was called reputation currency. Is there any more you'd like to talk about that or do you want to go to the next one? No, I can absolutely go on to the next one, but I would like to comment on your question about whether the word Marsha, you know,
3: how would people respond to that? You know, I do a lot of work on gender equity with the National Alliance for Partnerships and Equity Needs. It's a nonprofit organization. And they were showing me some studies where they have taken the exact same resumes of two people, but in one case they called it John, and in another case mm-hmm. they called it Jane, a common mm-hmm. name and female name. And so you know, there is some inherent bias in stereotyping even within gender of names, of common names. So it's a fascinating
2: field. <laughs> <laughs> yes, and I think um, there have been many, several other studies along those lines. So uh, how about getting into the uh, second uh, judgment? <laughs> we have about two minutes, and I know we'll carry this over to the, to the uh, uh, next segment. So the second judgment is... The second judgment is physical impact. And so that just means not just how you look,
3: but it's the clothes, the shoes, the accessories that you wear. Mm -hmm. In the context of cultural diversity, I have to bring up the elephant in the room, which has to do with body odor or smell, because Mm -hmm. sometimes that is part of one's physical impact. And when we talk about diversity, there may be a certain odor associated with food from different cultures. And that also may result in an unconscious judgment about that person. So I want to clarify as we're wrapping up that as we go through the judgments, I'm not saying I'm for or against any of these things. I'm just sort of relating the hypothesis that these are judgments that we make consciously or unconsciously on a minute-by-minute basis.
2: And I think uh, that uh, this also has to do with dress, uh what what you wear are you wearing things Mm -hmm. appropriately um Mm -hmm. and everything like that and i'll and before the uh break i'll just say one thing because you mentioned your son and i'm going to mention my son that Mm -hmm. uh he's working for a company came home one day and he Mm -hmm. was in jeans and Mm -hmm. uh, you know everything and i said to him uh jonathan you're wearing jeans, he says. Well, that's what everyone wears. I says, What about your <laughs> boss? Your boss, he says, his boss wears jeans too. And I said, Okay. <laughs>
3: Because I wanted so him nice. dressed,
2: you know, more business okay. like. But again, it's what the culture is. So if you hold on, uh, listeners, Deb Johnny will be coming back with the third judgment. Um, it's time for a short break on the business edge with Marsha Zidal, your smart moves coach. When we return, Deb Johnny Bishwash will give us further insights into unleashing the power of diversity. Stay tuned.
4: if you currently or aspire to serve on a board or work in a leadership capacity for or with a public or nonprofit organization, where can you turn to get the best advice and practices? How about Leadership Matters? With Dr. Cheryl G., Jenny Frumer, John Janetta, and Linda Shube. Our program discusses challenges facing both public and nonprofit leaders. Don't miss these practical solutions and tips to enhance your leadership style and effectiveness. Leadership Matters airs live Wednesdays at 2 p.m. Pacific, 5 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Business Channel.
2: Welcome back to the Business Edge. This is Marsha Zidal, your Smart Moves coach, and Deb Johnny Bishwash is my guest uh, today talking about unleashing the power of diversity. And at the end of the last segment, we were getting into the five judgments, um, and we did the first two, and now let's go to the third judgment. What is that, Deb Johnny?
3: Absolutely. So to remind listeners, the first two were reputational currency and physical impact. The third judgment is auditory cues. In other words, how you sound, and it's not as trivial as you might assume it is. So, for example, this is a radio program. You would probably be making judgments about either of us or both of us if you have never seen us or heard us before. So it's not just what words do you use. Uh, Is a person giggling? Is a person apologizing? Do they sound calm and confident? Um, For example, what is the cadence? What is the speed with which we speak? These are all auditory cues, and they give us a very powerful judgment, and part of that is also a sense of that person's presence and their power.
2: Hmm. Interesting. Uh, just um, to give an example, an mm-hmm. a personal example, um, mm-hmm. I grew up on the East Coast, as most mm-hmm. people would know by my accent, and okay. I talked very fast. And uh-huh. one of the things that I had to learn when I came down to Texas was to slow, you know, to slow mm-hmm. it down a bit. And yep. um, it's something that I've learned. Uh, uh-huh. But when I get excited, I start talking fast again, so uh-huh. uh, it's just being aware of it and how what that impact is on the people who are listening to you. I think that's what your 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 main point right that is my main point is that these decisions and judgments are happening, and based on these
3: judgments, many almost life altering career altering decisions happen, and so just being aware that how we sound and how we look and the buzz about us may be impacting business decisions. So the fourth judgment, marker mm-hmm. is, in my opinion, the most important. Uh, this is a new term that I have coined, and it is called distinguishing markers. I want to give you a little bit of background around how I came up with this original term. So I'm combining the ideas of genetic markers from DNA, and then mm-hmm. in marketing we talk about USB, the unique selling proposition of a product, And I combine the two to come up with a term, which is a distinguishing marker. And a distinguishing marker is something that people remember about you. It might be behavioral. It might be that this person is six feet tall and the rest of the world or the group around them is relatively shorter. It might be behavioral. If a person interrupts all the time, then it doesn't matter that they're super smart. Maybe the only thing their boss remembers about them is, oh, my goodness, this person is annoying to talk to because they interrupt all the time. So the question is, what are the two or three things that people remember about you? Those are your distinguishing markers.
2: And how do you find that out? How do you know what people think about you? You know, that is the question that everybody asks me when I
3: speak <laughs> about this at conferences and workshops. It's like, what are my distinguishing markers? So one of the things I say to them, well, if you're really bold enough and brave enough to want to know the truth, find someone in your family or dear friends and ask them. <laughs> but remember, you may or may not like what you hear. Yeah. So <laughs> <it's open. laughs> uh, the other and thing is the, the workplace, you know, Marsha, you're talking about Um, A lot of leaders and managers, we have uh, 360 assessments where we Mm -hmm. have peers and people that report to us and our bosses about 360. Uh, In the open-ended comments section, 9 out of 10 times our distinguishing markers, at least the behavioral ones, will come out. And so it's like a detective just being ready to read between the lines. So I was doing a debrief of an assessment yesterday. Um, I'm working with people from three different continents in a certain team. And this is a person from Belgium in Europe. And, you know, literally from the second or third open-ended comment, I could tell you exactly, without ever having met this person, what... The distinguishing markers were so clear from the assessment comments.
2: And were you able to tell that person what what they were? Oh, absolutely. And it wasn't a surprise to the person. Both the positive ones as well
3: as the suggestions for improvement, they were not really surprising. What was surprising to this person in this example is the extent to which it seems to define that person in the other people's eyes. That was the surprise for him.
2: Yes. So um, are we ready to go to the uh, final and fifth uh, judgment at this point?
3: Yes, we are, Marsha. And the final judgment is the work product or output. And you know, when I speak in workshops the conferences, people are stunned. They're surprised. They're like, the fifth of these judgments is your work <laughs> product and your output. And that, there's a reason I put that fifth. You know, I have all these spider webs and drawings around this. Is the reason I put that fifth? is because by the time we get to the work-related decision, whether we're going to hire a person when we're in an interviewing process, whether they are going to be part of this promotion or critical role or function, we don't realize that based on our unconscious biases or stereotypes or reputation, how the person looks or sounds or speaks, behaves, we have made decisions which mm-hmm. may or may not be directly related to our product or output. And that's the whole point of the five judgments is be very aware as leaders or as direct reports, individual contributors, what exactly is it that we're rating a person on. And that impacts your success or failure in the workplace.
2: Uh, yes, I think one of the failures of hiring is is that managers tend to hire people like them, uh-huh. and they may not be that the best person for that position. So yes, we have to be aware of what our judgments are, and uh, and and. And to be, and our biases, I mean, I'm using that mm-hmm. word bias, because Absolutely. I think we all have some biases. Do you agree oh, on we that? Um, oh, I, I completely agree. In fact,
3: Marsha, you know, we make an assumption. So sometimes when I'm doing diversity work, uh, people will make assumptions. Well, it so happens because I'm a woman of color or this or that, I have less biases. It's not true. We all have biases, And that's one aha. You know, I get um, emails and phone calls and voice messages from readers of the book, and I got recently. It was fascinating. This woman was uh, pulling a shopping cart in Costco, and she saw a child who was clearly of mixed parentage. You know, half of one ethnicity and half of the other. And she said she almost felt pain for that moment. She held on to the cart. (laughs) Vividly, she sent me this email. Uh, and she just realized that unconsciously she was making going through the judgments for this little yes. child. And it just hit her. And she said, I am such a diversity-savvy HR professional, but this hit me that yes. this is what we do unconsciously all the time.
2: Yes. And I, I I won't go into my examples, but they really threw me when I realized what I was doing. And again, I thought I was very open-minded and... Mm-hmm you know, tolerant and, you know, Mm -hmm. all those things. So Mm -hmm. moving on, (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, you also talk about in the book diversity foray. Uh, Tell me about that, because that just fascinates me. What do you mean by that?
3: Uh, That's a good question. So one of the things is, you know,
2: I've opened this can of worms. I've
3: spoken about the judgments. I said, let's be aware, there's biases, there's stereotyping, there's blind spots. So clearly, if there's a problem statement, there has to be a solution as well, right? right. So the first these 4A, it's a practical global toolkit, and it's a list of do's and don'ts. I love messing around with words. So what I did was these four tips that I had, the practical do's, they all started with the letter A. So if I go through them, there are four A's. It's ask, accept, adapt, and appreciate And so I said four A's, and together that forms a foray, which is actually an exploration or a journey. So that's kind of how I came up with that term. And so the first, to repeat, the first A is to ask, and I already spoke about, you know, being astute and you be specific and be kind. Mm -hmm. The second one is to accept. The third one is to adapt. And the fourth one is to appreciate
2: So tell me a little more about each one of them. When you talked about ask, tell me a little bit about accept. What do you mean by that?
3: Mm -hmm. Well, there are some things that we don't necessarily like about our differences, but we accept them. So the difference between accept and adapt is that in accept there's a a little subtlety that it's something that we don't necessarily like, but we can live with that. So, Mm -hmm. for example, if different people have norms and values, let's say I join an organization, you know, you spoke about dress code just a little while ago. So, you know, maybe I'm not used to wearing jeans at work, but if I see that that is the dress code of the organization, is it that big of a deal for me to you know accept that that norm is different from mine so that's kind of an example of accepting something i don't necessarily like but it's probably not worth my energy to sort of fight against that's the accept The the third one which is adapt is close to accept but a little bit different in adapt we actually change our behavior in order to sort of come up with a happy medium compromise or adaptive solution, which both of us like. That's a little bit different from just, you know, quietly accepting something that we don't necessarily like.
2: Okay. And then um, what was the last one?
3: The last one is appreciate. The last one is truly when we leverage diversity for business results. You know, I've mentioned multicultural competence. Mm -hmm. That's what happens when we appreciate that being different isn't a but, it's an and. It's something that Really brings us to a better solution. And so when we're brainstorming, uh, the reason I say appreciate is a lot of times in organizations, we have the one thinker who's a little bit of a maverick, the person who's always saying, you know, the emperor's not wearing any clothes. And right. we can't shut that person down. But instead of shutting that person down, if we could appreciate, that this person has the guts to share a different point of view and appreciate diversity. A lot of times, a lot of costly product, product failures would have been avoided if we had listened and appreciated someone who said something different from us.
2: Well, we have about a minute or so left before the break. Uh, wh- what would be some one or two thoughts you'd like to leave the listeners before we go uh, to your, the third segment? So what might be one or two things?
3: Yes, absolutely. What I think I'd like the listeners to talk about is intent. In diversity work, 90% of our success is having positive intent. So we can use all these techniques. If our mind and heart is in the right place, it will be much more successful than just understanding, you know, with the head what's going on
2: right so on that point we are going to take another break it's a time for a short break on the business edge with Marshall Zidel, your smart moves coach and when we return deb johnny will continue giving us great insights into unleashing the power of diversity stay tuned
4: If you've ever wanted to know the inner workings of how auctions work, you'll want to tune in to Ed Spencer's American Auction View. Auctions establish markets and commerce that affect everyone in our country. Whether it's land, real estate, livestock, automobiles, collectibles, or household goods, people are turning auction items into cash in nearly every business market in the world. You can find out more about this unique and engaging industry every Wednesday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific, on the Voice America Business Channel. Up-to-date business and financial news. Call now and get the financial information you need. 866-472-5790. 866-472-5790. The experts are here. Voice America Business Network.
1: You are tuned into The Business Edge with Marcia Zeidel.
2: Welcome back, listeners, to the Business Edge. This is Marsha Zidle, your Smart Moves Coach. Johnny Bishwash is my guest today talking about the, unleashing the power of diversity. And when we ended that uh, second segment, she talked about some of the do's. But now let's, um, from the uh, toolkit, but what about some of the don'ts of diversity? What are some of those
3: hmm Well, you know, Marsha, as you mentioned, if you have a list of do's, you gotta have a list of don'ts. Yes, and course. again, you know, it's an acronym. I love, as I said, messing with words. So the acronym for this one is don't space out. And each of the letters stands for something. So the F in space out stands for don't shun people. So it's very common for us when we find ourselves with a group that is different from us. And again, remember, I'm using a broad definition of culture, so it could be regional, but it could also be another gender, another generation, whatever that Mm -hmm. group is, not to shun them, but to, in fact, approach them with curiosity and respect. So that's the first don't. And the second one is don't patronize. So, you know, you were asking for an example. So, um, you know, I've always worked... In English and in the medium of English, and I remember coming to the U.S. 28 years ago, and probably two months into reaching, you know, the particular destination, someone asked me, you know, with great curiosity and said, wow, you sound like you really understand English. How did you learn English in two months? And, you know, I just had to laugh because they have made some assumptions and it's really sometimes people patronize without even realizing that they patronize you.
2: Right, right. And the next one?
3: The next one is don't assume. So, Uh you know, there are so many mistakes and assumptions that we make by just not asking, not checking for accuracy, not verifying. And then the fourth letter out of is the C, which is don't crumble. So what I mean by don't crumble is sometimes we allow people to use the race card and we allow people to get away with things and say, that it's just because I'm different, that's just who I am. And so sort of standing your ground and asking the difficult questions, so don't crumble under the pressure just because it seems politically correct. And then the last one that is very critical, that is the E of don't space out, is don't mm-hmm. escalate. Because, you know, there's so many things. I mean, there's loss of life going all the way to in business circumstances, loss of jobs, loss of, you know, cordial relationships. There are so many things we can lose when we escalate because our emotions are high and we just blurt out something and it just gets to a place it doesn't have to go.
2: You know, I think all of them are great don'ts. Um, the one that really um, strikes me is so important is don't assume. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, we all make assumptions about people by the way they dress or the way they talk or whether mm-hmm. they're from part of the country or from a particular um, uh, 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 background, mm-hmm. and 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 that gets us into trouble. It gets mm-hmm. us into... Trouble because these can these people can be very helpful to us, and yet yeah. we don't we don't see their help. So, as I said, yeah. I think all are great, uh, but the uh, don't assume is the one that I like the best. Um, well, and Marsha,
3: you had mentioned that you know you like some practical examples, but don't assume. That's a powerful example that I personally experienced. You know, there was a person in my team that reported to me that is an older person that also looks. Quite a bit older, even than this person is. And this person has this huge, huge knowledge and curiosity around technology. And mm-hmm. they actually told me one day I'm saying they because, you know, to protect confidentiality. Right. So they actually said to me one day, I really want to work in the IT space, but all these younger people look at me and they assume that because of the way I look and my age group, I will not be good at technology. And it just struck me as such a, you know, sort of the psychology of assumptions was so damaging. And I just felt, oh, my gosh, they've lost on so much yes. experience that this person could have offered because of that assumption.
2: Yes. And, uh, and so I tell people... Some of my gray hairs that you may or may not see shows that I've had a lot of experience and wisdom, so uh-huh. tap into uh-huh. it, right? <laughs> you got it. Okay. Um, you know, one of the key things is, you know, why did you write this book? I mean, it has such great information, but behind every book, there's a story. So what, a what's story. your story?
3: There is a story. So, you know, there's a couple of stories. One of the stories is I have always noticed from a very young age, you know, you referenced in the introduction, um, when I was an IIT in India, I was the only female engineering student in my classmates. Um, I had a class of 39 people, and mm-hmm. then me and the rest were all males. So I've always been different. And then, again, working in the U.S. for many years, I've often been the only Asian within the group, you know, of North Americans work people. And so I often just thought about this whole diversity being different. So that's what I've been doing for several years. I would travel to a different country, a different continent, and I would notice something different. And I sort of sent emails to myself. So that's kind of over the years, I collected a lot of information. And then I just wanted to put it together in sort of a cohesive organizational fashion so that people would really think about diversity, think about how we can leverage diversity for business results. And then a couple of years ago, I had gone to my son's office in California, and there was a poster on the wall, and the poster said, what would you do if you weren't afraid? And it really struck me, and I thought, what would I do if I wasn't afraid? So I kind of put together all the hypotheses and all these frameworks and everything. And my absolute hero, you know, is Marshall Goldsmith. Uh, yes. He's a New York Times best-selling author, you know, of what's got you here, won't get you there, et cetera. And I just put all my concepts, the original frameworks in a PDF and I emailed him. And literally within days, he was so gracious and he has endorsed the book and he has supported me so much. So, it was one of those almost like a dream come true. I look back and I think, my gosh, in the last two years, I had some ideas in my head. Now, here we are, and there's a book. I'm passionate about it, and I speak about it. So that's my question to everybody out there who has a book in them, who has a project in them. What would
2: you do if you weren't afraid? Oh, that is so, so wonderful. And uh, it's a really great message for everyone. Um And so, now that we're getting, you know, uh, down to the, uh, uh, not quite yet the end of uh, this segment, uh, but that was, so let's get back to practicalities now. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, what can we leave the listener with? So, what advice do you have for our listeners as they continue on their diversity journey? And you have a little time, you have some time to talk about this. So, go ahead. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, I guess my My suggestion
3: or advice to listeners is I had mentioned and referenced emotional intelligence. And Mm -hmm. within emotional intelligence, it is so critical in diversity for us first to have self-awareness and then to move up the spectrum from self-awareness to Mm self-management, then interpersonal awareness, and then finally overall, you know, working with groups. And mm-hmm. so the first key I would say to self-awareness is notice how people that are different from you respond to you, and notice how you respond to people that are different. So what do I mean by that? You'll notice in workplaces that there are certain almost magnetic people that everyone everyone wants to be around, and they mm-hmm. have that characteristics. And one of them is that they're often very diversity savvy. So I kind of have, you know, in my mind the scale you get from being sort of diversity neutral to slightly diversity adept. But then when you go all the way to be diversity savvy, so I guess the first thing is for our listeners to start thinking about what are the groups around which they are uncomfortable Mm -hmm. and the way in which we stop something from being a stereotype. A stereotype is a belief that we have about a group of people. When we don't see the person as a group, when, when we see them as an individual, that's mm-hmm. when we start breaking down the stereotypes. In all these business examples we gave, for example, the person who's older and with at technology, if we just make a sweeping statement, every baby boomer is terrible at technology, we're losing a lot of... So. We're losing just a lot of productivity. And so that would be my first suggestion to listeners is first uncover your own hidden biases and prejudices. So hold that mirror up to yourself and then try and engage with someone from that group that will help you disprove your bias or at least open your eyes a little bit as to the individuals within that group. So that would be my first
2: piece of advice. Okay, and what about um, a second piece of advice, okay? My second piece of advice would be to notice the output, notice the
3: outcome, because, you know, this is the business edge. We're talking about business results. So if you think that you're great at asking questions, but every time there's someone who's different that reports to you, within three months that person who is either a different gender, different generation, different ethnicity, keeps asking for a transfer, look at the results. Look at the output and let the data follow what you think. So you may think you're diversity savvy, but I would say follow the trail of the numbers, of the metrics, of the results that say you are getting better diversity or not. And assessments are great in that aspect.
2: Right. And then one more before our break, Uh, what would be something else that listeners should be aware of uh, or do to be more savvy, diverse savvy?
3: I would say in two things, there is one dynamic that I've not mentioned. Uh, There's a dynamic of the mainstream population where that person is most of the group. And then Mm -hmm. there's a singularity dynamic where a person is the only one in that group or one of the few. And in a singularity dynamic, people sometimes get highly defensive and Mm -hmm. sometimes they sort of get, you know, when someone says something innocent, the person gets so defensive and sort of the, the conversation goes somewhere else. So I would say when you're in a singularity dynamic, you're the only one of a group. It is also our responsibility as different people to sort of insulate ourselves, to buffer ourselves, and not be that sensitive and highly defensive.
2: Right. And – um and I think you know that 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 I want to end on that point because sometimes we take things negatively when it mm-hmm. wasn't meant to be negative. Mm-hmm. And so, so um, can you say about maybe a, a minute, uh, thirty seconds on that? How how Absolutely. not to be so negative? You know, take things yes. negative. Yes, diversity relationships
3: are just that their relationships, and the only way we can bridge is for both people to have some movement towards the middle. So I would say that's what it has to be. Add a pinch of humor and you're on your way.
2: (laughs) Okay, on that note, with the idea of humor transcends all... um, Uh Humor helps in many Uh situations, especially if I've I've used it for myself when I've embarrassed Mm -hmm. myself and I just (laughs) laugh and move on. So... It's uh, time for a short break on the Business Edge. This is Marcia Zotto, your Smart Moves Coach. And when we return, Deb Johnny will tell us how to contact her, how to get more information about herself and her book and the work she does. So stay tuned.
4: From the boardroom to you. Voice America Business Network.
1: You can also send us an email to Marsha at smartmovescoach.com. Now, back to The Business Edge.
2: Welcome back to the Business Edge. This is Marcia Zeidel, your Smart Moves coach. And Deb Johnny Bishwash has been my guest talking about unleashing the power of diversity, multicultural competency. And I want to thank Deb Johnny so much because it's a topic I've had an interest in for years um, because I have been different. Um, and um, I've also lived overseas. And so I've experienced many of the things that Deb Johnny uh, talked about. Out. So, Deb Johnny, how can uh, the listeners get in touch with you and learn more about you? Thank you so much, Marsha. I, too,
3: have really enjoyed this time. Uh, well, the first thing, of course, as I'm an author, would be let me tell you how you can get hold of my book. The book is on Amazon.com. It's available, you know, Kindle and as well as paper versions. And you would just basically look for Unleash the Power of Diversity Multicultural Competence for Business Results. And then um, if you want to get a hold of me for, you know, keynotes or conference speaking or workshops, diversity strategy, I do a lot of that in businesses, then you would go to my website at www.coachieve.us. That's like coach with achieve at the end, so coachieve.us. And uh, I guess that's it. I really have enjoyed being on the show.
2: Well, thank you so much, Deb Johnny, and hopefully I can have you again.
3: Wonderful. You got a deal. Okay. It's
1: time for Marcia's Musings, a tasty morsel of wisdom and wit to take the growing pains out of growth.
2: Leadership is a relationship business. You better believe it. Lucille is the department head in accounting. While walking to her office, she greets her staff along the way. Her comments are, Hey, Joe, I hear we'll get to see your project report later. Dave, how's the new program working? Diane, great to see you back. I want to hear about your vacation. She addresses each person by name, asks a relevant question, shows a genuine interest, and enjoys connecting with them. Total investment in each interaction, perhaps 30 seconds. Return on effort, employee engagement, trust, and commitment. Each interaction you have with others, whether it's a boss, peers, staff, suppliers, even your customers, is an opportunity to build or to damage your relationship with them. Lucille is a builder, Are you. In his book, Touch Points, Creating Powerful Leadership Connections in the Smallest of Moments, Doug Conant, the former CEO of the Campbell Soup Company, says, quote, every face-to-face conversation brings the opportunity to engage employees in their work and the company as well as, and to promote your leadership. He states s- several rules to become a better leader and a relationship builder. Here are three of his rules. Rule number one, it's what you think. Not surprisingly, effective leaders strongly believe in the value of building relationships with others inside and outside of their organization. Connecting with others is high on their priority list. How much effort are you making to connect with others? Rule number two, it's what you pay attention to. Effective leaders make the time to get to know others, ask about their problems, and acknowledge their ideas. Identifying shared interests, experiences, and goals develops rapport and also builds long term trust. Are you taking the time to get to know your staff, coworkers, suppliers, and customers? Rule number three it's what you do. Effective leaders build allies, not enemies. They are approachable, have a knack to tune in accurately to the needs of others, and most importantly, follow through. Do you build allies or enemies with those with whom you need to inspire, influence, or do business with? Here's your smart moose tip. For too long, people have thought that becoming a good leader was going to business school, getting an MBA, or reading the latest and greatest business books, but... Don't get me wrong. They are valuable ways to enhance your leadership. What I've found in coaching hundreds of managers is that their success is built through touch points or micro interactions, those everyday conversations like Lucille has with her team. That's where you have a chance to bring your leadership to life in personally relevant ways. Yes, leadership is a relationship business. So, if you want to build great relationships with your people, then get the Effective Manager series of handbooks. It will give you 232 practical tips to make smart moves as a leader. As Business Edge listeners, you will get a 20% discount on these four handbooks. Contact me at Marcia, M-A-R-C-I-A, at smartmovescoach.com, or call 972-380-9181. 972-380-9181.
1: You're listening to Marcia Zeidel, the Smart Moves Coach, making sure you're on the right track and not getting sidetracked in your drive for high performance and profitability.
2: Next week's topic is branding your fuel for greater success. Harold Schultz, CEO of Starbucks, said, In this ever-changing society, the most powerful and enduring brands are built from the heart. They are real and sustainable. Their foundations are stronger because they are built with the strength of the human spirit, not an ad campaign. The companies that are lasting are also those that are authentic. My guest is Ellen Castro, chief energizing officer and best-selling author of Spirited Leadership. She will give us further insights into Schultz's conviction that the most powerful and enduring brands are built from the heart. Tune in to this Encore presentation, June 4th, eleven Pacific, 2 Eastern. I'll end with my favorite quote. There are three kinds of people in this world. Those who make it happen. Those who let it happen. Those who asked, what happened? Which one are you? If you're highly motivated to make it happen, let me help you make it happen. Contact me at Marcia, M-A-R-C-I-A, at smartmovescoach.com or call me at 972-380-9181. Thank you for listening to The Business Edge with Marcia Zeidel, the Smart Moves executive coach and speaker, helping entrepreneurs and business leaders take their company firm or practice to that next level with less stress and more success. In other words, how to take the growing pains out of growth, innovate, improve, ignite, or die. Make smart moves. Have a great week. Thank you.
1: You've been listening to The Business Edge with Marcia Zeidel. Please join us again next Wednesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. And enjoy taking your business to the next level.
0: Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel.